You're listening to the Terminator Podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show providing you with entertainment, a sharing of viewpoints, and fun. Join us as we venture into the world of entertainment and discuss a variety of topics, from television shows, DVDs, feature films, and more. This week, two guys talking the original Terminator. 24 is out the door with the writers to get some donuts, a lawn chair, and a paycheck. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Ryan Parker, your co-host. Uh, Ryan Parker, of course, is the host of the Comic Knot podcast that also appears in the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Today's podcast is the first of three showcases of the movies that launched the Terminator franchise. This podcast's focus, Terminator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and a cast of actors that have gone on to movie history. Ryan, I was trying to remember when I first saw The Terminator, and the first time I saw The Terminator was when my dad took me to it in 1984. Do you remember the first time that you saw or heard of The Terminator? I really do, because that wasn't too long after our family got our first VCR, and this was <laughs> yeah. probably within the first 10 movies I ever saw sitting yeah. in the home. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're right, and it's uh, it was that time after Beta and, and VHS had had the war, and that war was kind of done, and VHS was you know kicking all kinds of ass. But yeah, it, and it, it was. I remember specifically watching it on VHS too. What I remember vividly about that is movies didn't come out in four months after a movie. It was like a year and a half. Yeah, you had to wait a long time. And I nine years old probably when this came out. And yeah. I had no hype, no preconceived notions of this. Yeah. So this was literally, we went to the movie store. We saw a cover on the shelf. Yeah. And we brought it home. We had, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into the right, first time right. we watched this. My uh, my dad is well known for taking me to movies that have you know absolutely no credit whatsoever. The giant alligator that lives under the under the sewers of New York City. I think it's called Gator or Alligator exclamation point something. It's old old movie, but I remember him taking me to that one specifically. Other ones that dealt with alligators and piranha and all kinds of goony stuff. So when he took me to this one, I thought I was going to see something of the same nature. Luckily. That wasn't the case at all. No, not at all. And as anybody probably knows from our previous podcasts or um, my, my personal <laughs> ones on Comic Night, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And, yeah. You know, like I said, I was nine years old, so I was all about Star Wars in the early 80s, um, E.T., of course. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing you were thinking of when you watched a sci-fi movie. Yeah. And, well, and it, it's Ter- great Terminator that, yeah. totally was... It, it was the change in pace of those kind of movies at yeah. that time. Yeah, my dad is fond of saying that Terminator is the movie that was able to bring a dark color to what is a comic book. Because right. you think of this story, and it really is, truly, it's a, it's a, it's a comic book chase movie. Uh, the difference is that they've woven in a love story. Believe it or not, there is a great love story inside of all three Terminator films, not not just the first one. And that they're able to weave that along with so many other different layers inside of this movie and the other movies that James Cameron, who directed this film, has done in the past is really just astounding. It's it's really great storytelling. Yeah, and I think when you look at this movie, because it is his first movie as a director, you look at this movie as compared to all the great movies that come since then, I think you still see a little bit of the Terminator yeah. and everything else from Aliens to Abyss to um, Titanic even. It's, yeah. there's, still a, there's still James Cameron elements that go all the way back to this low-budget, sometimes even campy 
but at the same time, beautiful sci-fi masterpiece. Right, right. And, uh, the art that James Cameron was able to generate, along with, of course, the genius of what was a reasonably new Stan Winston way back then, you know, it, it just it turned heads. It made everybody understand that special effects can happen, and this really was a paradigm-changing film. There's no doubt about it. I think the most important thing in Terminator, as far as what you're saying on special effects, was it showed that you could be a minimalist with them without being cheap. You could be a minimalist without hiding it in shadows the whole time. I mean, the the special effects are right there from the beginning, Mm -hmm. but they're not over the top. You know, this movie survives really good on a little bit of latex makeup, a little bit of stop motion later in the movie. Mm -hmm. One really kick-ass actual robot that they had to have built yeah. for certain scenes in the movie. But you just look at these modern movies with just CGI crammed all over all the place. Over, right, right. And, and you wonder, how did we ever get to that point? Because we didn't always need all that for the movie to be good. And I think The Terminator is a classic example of uh, special effects being used to enhance the movie and not just to show the movie. Right, right. Truer words could not be said. The Terminator was and is an instant classic of modern-day film. Let's get straight into the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast review of The Terminator, directed by James Cameron, 1984. Your Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Ah, the Orion Pictures note. Those of you that are watching the DVD either as we speak or after we're done speaking or have seen it previously, you'll note that there's an Orion Pictures logo that's featured prominently at the beginning of this film. Sadly, Orion Pictures is no more. It's too bad. Uh, there are a bunch of other picture conglomerates that picked up the pieces and went on. The one that uh, Carol Co. is the one that comes to mind almost instantly. That's, that's one that did Total Recall. And there were many others that picked up the pieces, but... Uh, it's really funny you mention that because we didn't even discuss this before the show, but... Um, you know, I recently watched this on DVD just to review for this podcast, and uh, when I saw the Orion logo come up, it did give me kind of an instant sense yeah. of nostalgia that yeah. I, I didn't even understand, and uh, I, I'm kind of glad you hit on that. Yeah, yeah. Orion was huge. Yeah. Those logos are gone now in place of what are kind of video input for what is today's modern movies. Perfect sample is Touchstone Pictures, DreamWorks. Paramount, all of those. They've all got some sort of different logo or animation now instead of what was just that rising Orion logo. Your two guys talking, Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. How old will you be in 2029 AD? The answer for me is 58 years old. Make me do math now. Uh, (laughs) Well, what? You're four years younger than I am, right? Right, so. So you'll be 54. So you'll almost, well, by then you'll have to be 80 to retire probably. So uh, that or dead. You'll probably have to be dead to retire. It it won't matter anyhow. (laughs) We won't be around, so that's okay. There's no future, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, Where will you be, Mike asked the listeners, in 2029 AD? Of course, 2029 AD is where we start in this film with what is probably the most prominent, hellish, future, apocalypse, war picture visions that I can imagine. And every time I listen to the commentary of what is the original Terminator track, I'm sorry, there's a special uh, where he talks about how he came up with the idea of the Terminator. And he was actually overseas, and he had a super ridiculously high fever. And so as he was experiencing the fever and was trying to come down from the fever, he had these visions of this fiery metal man. And that's where all of the ideas were generated for the Terminator. The vision of what you see in the first 
three or four minutes of this film was the progenitor for the entire franchise that has become the Terminator franchise. I think that goes even further because I think the first time you see that on screen back in 1984, I don't think you'd seen that scene before. Right. And it's a scene you've seen countless times in right. different movies from television, theater. Right. It's all over the place now. And it it, it became the quintessential post-apocalyptic wasteland image and right wasteland the robots versus us the dark absolute darkness yeah crushing of skulls the 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 vision uh of this film and the just the the snapshots that you can take i remember us talking about snapshots inside of our spider-man 3 review where if i could take snapshots of that movie every 30 seconds that would have been a pretty good movie sure the problem is that you had more than that, and then you had some story that was really lackluster. It, it almost had like a sci-fi Frank Frazetta <laughs> yeah. imagery, like yeah. kind of borrowed, you know. And yeah. if anybody knows Frank Frazetta, he does more of a painter. So it was like it's a really rich tapestry of, yeah. of an image. In case there's anybody out there that hasn't seen it, yeah. The well, first time- and it's it's great that you mentioned that too, because the stills that are inside the still directory for the special edition of this one. They actually feature some of Cameron's original drawings that are, more often than not, they're uh, chalk drawings done on black paper. Right. So that the starting with darkness to begin with and then just adding in highlights is exactly what you see through the imagery in this film, in particular the first three or four minutes. And like you said before, very much a comic book, black with blue highlights. That's all it is. Yeah, very good, very good. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. The first vision of a hunter-killer. Again, we kind of covered this in our in our last topic, but I can vividly remember, just like in Star Wars, where you have the giant ship panning overhead. Well, I remember inside of this movie, where panning overhead, you have this silver shark-looking thing. It pans in over your head, makes a left turn, pans a little bit more, and then starts doing a strafing run through this, you know, just desolate, absolute wasteland buildings and rubble and skulls and little dudes running out of the way to try and not get killed by it. That, that is the vision when I think of Terminator 1. I think of other things, but I think of that in particular because it gives you that, that first punch in the gut of what's going to happen inside this movie if the heroes inside the movie don't change something. Yeah, and again, at that point, only really knowing things like Star Wars and Star Trek, which was right. so, yeah. so far removed from real life that you instantly knew that you were watching something sci-fi. When you see that sort of hover helicopter-looking thing that you're talking about, and it's got the blue and red lights, it has a very common everyday look, but you realize you're looking into a future image. And so you instantly make more of a personal connection because you start seeing this futuristic killer ship right. that looks like something that could really come out in 10 or 15 years from yeah. in the future, you know, right, when right. you're back it, in 1984. It, right, it wasn't some Goonie or right. with it wasn't three a green lights on it. Right, 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 right. Falcon. It was this it was something very familiar. Very, very Earth-looking. You're, you're absolutely right. And it looked like something that you foreseeably could see invented in the next 20 years, and it, it instantly gives you a more um, sense of foreboding about what could happen in the future. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. The Skulls Under Tread. Again, this is the first couple of minutes of this movie. We're talking about people being hunted down by these flying, no-blade helicopter machines. These giant-ass tanks with these huge, you know, barreling cannons just plowing away and running over skulls. I mean, it, it just... It, it's It's like every Metallica cover from the 1980s that I can remember, and it's awesome. 
there's total death metal feel that, that you know, <laughs> it's a good it, point. It, it, you know, and James Cameron, I think really was, I'm not saying he's out of touch now, but I think he was really in touch then because he is definitely in touch with sort of that hardcore heavy metal feel. Yeah. 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 And, um, of, like you said, an album cover and with the giant robots, at that point in 1984, very few people in America had seen the anime manga style yeah. of giant fighting robots. Yeah. James Cameron's always been into that, you know, probably even since it was over in Japan. And he was instantly bringing that into us. And there was only a handful of us kids that probably watched, like, uh, Battle of the Planets and maybe had seen Voltron or something at that point that really even got that connection that, you know, these big menacing robots. You know, yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> every, every, this is a great story. Every time I see a, Every time I see a skull... There's a guy that's going to be reviewing the second Terminator film with us. His name is Carl Bezazi. And Carl Bezazi introduced me to another guy named Tim. Not Timothy. Not Timmy. But Tim. And Tim was a hardcore death metal fan. And, you know, he he knew every lyric of every Metallica song ever created. He had a, he had a skull tattoo on his right arm. And he worked in a pizza joint. For like 18 years. <laughs> and so Carl and I just happened to work at the same pizza joint for a year before we went into college. And I remember him specifically making skulls out of pizza dough and then dressing them with tomato sauce and then running the pizza cutter through the skulls. <laughs> the guy was really twisted and I'm sure that he's a genius making tons of money somewhere now. But every time I see a skull, including the ones inside of the Terminator, even now as I watched it last week, that's the first thing I think of is Tim the Tim the Pizza Guy from DeMarini's Pizzeria. And, but it reminds me that those, those images are not something that just, oh, you see it, and oh, and then you flit around to whatever the rest of the movie is. They stick with you, as does most of the imagery and the suggestive material that's included inside of this movie. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. The undeniable soundtrack. Oh, lordy. There are many soundtracks that I think are perfect samples of whatever the series is. Star Trek. The Way Titanic, which also was another James Cameron vehicle. The way all the music around that paid off instantly the newer Battlestar Galactica films, Knight Rider, all of the movies and things that happened inside of the 80s that are somehow being replicated, those all have really indicative soundtracks. This one was the first to really start to grow on me, though. This, and then a couple years later, was Top Gun with all the songs that were included inside of Top Gun. All of those things that came out in the early and mid-80s all have such a distinctive feel. And the great thing about this throughout the entire franchise is that the genius of this soundtrack continues through each and every one, even though the the third one wasn't even done by the same guy. I totally agree. And when I think about the soundtrack of it, um, first of all, the main theme, <laughs> it's amazing that it didn't sound like um, John Williams or something, especially yeah. at the time when everybody was ripping off that sound for the yeah. big theme music. It, yeah. it, it has a similar quality without sounding the same. Right. But then when you get into like the actual soundtrack of this, of the movie, first of all, it, it totally paces the scenes correctly. Right. And you know how to react by the way that the, the techno music starts jumping up and right, down and, right. and that it, sort of it's thing. A, you, got it, you hit it perfectly. It's a tool. It's a tool to tell better storytelling. And they, they, didn't rely, absolutely right. they didn't rely on a dozen current artists recovering <laughs> a song from 30 years ago that somehow blends in now with a guy swinging through the cities of New York. They right. said, like you said, it is a tool. 
And really watching this, and there's another element I'll hit on when we get to it, but musically, this music was the music of video games 20 years before it happened. Right. You play any video game probably since 1995 and later, there is a, a constant use of this style of techno sort of pacing the scene type music right going throughout it and sometimes just i think a blatant ripoff of it right well and i think what it also speaks to is a lot of what was the john carpenter uh not only the the movies but the actual soundtracks because john carpenter himself made many of the soundtracks inside of his films uh halloween the uh, ghost of ghost of mars all of those goony exactly the same kind of sound that these have were all made by him it really has propagated in a genre of movies that kind of hellish, horror, apocalyptic, future, near-future, Ness movie. All of those have adopted the same. Uh, uh, another great one was um, Escape from New York. Exactly the same kind of feel, kind of dark and deep and... All that, all that kind of stuff was going on in there. In fact, inside of the Terminator, th- this has become something great. And in, in Terminator Two, the soundtrack there, which we'll also talk about in the next review of that film, uh, they pick up something great, and it's that it's a perfect sound. Not because it's so foreboding or ja 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 ja. It leaves you in a state of uh, now. What's going to happen? And what's perfect is that if you get inside of your car, in fact, if you're listening to this podcast inside your car right now and you have power door locks, do this really quick. Just flip it up and go up, down, up, down, up, down. And then it'll go, cha, 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 cha. You can do that with anything. You can do it with a mouse. You can do it with the side of a CD. You can do it with an almost empty can of soda. You can do it with some wrenches from your garage. Can you do it with a beer belly? Yes, you can. You can do it with anything. And I encourage everybody to. It's another exclamation point in the end of soundtrack for the review of Terminator. It's just outstanding stuff. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Why I started Two Guys Talking. The potential of comrade speak. I am going to go and copyright the word comrade speak. Because the reason I started Two Guys Talking, the original show, and all of those ideas is because it is exactly what I do with all of my friends whenever I go and see a movie with them. When we're done with the movie, we head out to, at this point, now in the the aughts, we head to a coffee shop or a restaurant. But back then, it was a pizza joint or an ice cream place or, you know, a soda jerk, whatever, that you go and you talk about the movie that you just saw and you'd say what you liked about it and what you didn't like about it. And so I was doing... Two guys talking podcasts 20 years ago, and I didn't, I, I just didn't have the potential or the, the venue to showcase it, and now I do. And so, this movie, th- this whole 80s again, this whole 80s era is when I started coming of age. They were my growing years that I remember vividly, and they're what I, I built my personality and my sense of humor and me, Mike Wilkerson, on back then. This movie is one of the progenerators of why. I started this Two Guys Talking podcast. Your Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Stan the Man Winston. What can you say? If it's not Jurassic Park, he was doing it 15 years before then when he was making the special effects inside of this film, The Terminator. Where else can you see a dude grab an X-Acto knife, 
cut open his eyeball and showcase the uh, the red iris that moves in and out as it's looking around looking for things. Where else can you open up your entire forearm and see the moving gears and stuff of this futuristic Terminator? I mean, it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I remember, like I said, I saw this on VHS for the first time, and I think most of my friends probably did too. And the months following watching this, I remember, you know, on the playground talking about, oh, did you see that part? And he cut his arm open. You could actually see the, the, the hydraulics moving in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, the metal and, tendons and, 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 and stuff. He, and he had that, you know, of course, we call it the camera eye because we didn't know how, what else to describe. But, you know, yeah. he had that red camera eye. And, you know, and this was all first-time stuff. Right. I mean, that's what really was hitting me watching it again, watching it, you know, for content was before 1984, people might have hit on this kind of stuff. But yeah. this was the first time it was really put together and showed to us. And, and – you just see how much of its influence has been on so many things since then. You can't get away from it, really. Right. Uh, the the guerrilla filmmaking that I think James Cameron probably invented in general, the, the probably the term guerrilla filmmaking, bleeds over into all of his special effects stuff. In fact, that's why I love the feature stuff on side of, inside of DVDs, is because of movies like this one that have DVDs that have such great features on them. And inside the features in this one, you actually have a picture of what James Cameron made or actually drew so that you could see how they pulled off the effects inside of what was this movie. So instead of actually having Arnold's hand that's out there, you've got Arnold's left hand. He's got the exacto knife picking around inside of his arm. But off off camera to him, underneath the table, is the dude that's actually sticking his arm through so that the hand can function. And then there's a prosthetic arm that's attached to it, to Arnold's actual shoulder that's attached to the, the membrane area that's attached to that guy that's got the real hand stretch out at the end. So you could, you could see a behind-the-scenes view of exactly how he knew he was going to film it when he was ready to film it. And I love that vision. I love being able to put the, the director goggles on and see how he knew, even before he had shot it, he knew how he was going to shoot it. And I love that. I love that in movies. And something that happened for him that they surely didn't plan but has worked to their advantage is that same scene you're talking about when the Terminator is sort of uh, cleaning himself up. And when you look at it now especially, there's a very fake look to it a little bit. Yes, without question. But but that's okay because – the Terminator isn't real. He is literally a robot with fake flesh over him. So even though you get that little bit of, oh, that's not human, well, that it, it works to their advantage in that moment because he's not human and you get to see that it's not a real human being. And I think somehow that actually makes it more believable and a little bit scarier because at first they were trying to create the illusion that this man was a robot, but yeah. then suddenly the illusion works in its opposite advantage that the robot is trying to look like a man. Right. And you see you, you see the facade there. Right. No, absolutely. In fact, I'll do you one better. Because I know that the Terminator skin is real living tissue over a metal endoskeleton, it works even better because this is after their first ridiculous battle where he goes back and, I mean, he's just, he's mangled. He's been through fire and his hair's all burned and that shiny kind of... That, oh, that looks like fake skin. Well, dude, he's just been running through a fire. What, right. what else do you want? He just put his arm through a windshield of a car that was traveling at 35 miles an hour backwards while it was on fire after jumping through this wall of fire. So nobody really knows what that kind of skin would look like to begin with, much less seeing it over their metal endoskeleton. So the people that want to bitch about how the skin looks fake, hey, bring it on. 
You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Arnold the Specimen. <laughs> I can remember vividly, and I was an avid wrestler all throughout high school. The problem is that I never would have had the physique that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. Uh, the, the His back alone is like you and me put together. Right. And uh, I mean he he just he literally is inhuman in this movie. And this was a slimmed down version of of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. I mean this is, you know, years this is after years after he had done competition and stuff, right. yeah, yeah. And you just look at his history and if he doesn't do this movie and it doesn't become the cult phenomenon it is, I don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger is governor of California today. I yeah, mean, I, I, I don't I mean, disagree with I that. I mean really his only real mainstream movie that had any kind of recognition was Conan. Conan. Mm-hmm. And that was lukewarm at best yeah if he doesn't get this except shot, in international markets where it experienced lots and lots of success well international so markets didn't count back then right. <laughs> right they also don't decide who's governor of california right and and i just and you really have to wonder where arnold was if this movie didn't happen yeah. i mean he, this franchise he, would he have fallen into things like total recall right all of those movies that have become what are hallmark schwarzenegger films predator another great great film because would all of those have fallen in his lap had he not jumped on this because he still made bad judgments after this like commando i right. mean that i wish he i bet he wishes he could just knock that one right <laughs> off his resume but it's there's now a director's edition that's out now well i'm glad they finally went back and directed it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because he actually had read for the role of kyle reese or was wanting to read for that role rather than the terminator and James Cameron just could not see him as the Kyle Reese character, which if you look at it now where he has played kind of the hero, not so much. I can't see Linda Hamilton going up to giant ass Arnold and going, so much pain. (laughs) I I know how you feel. Yeah. I came across time for you, Sarah. And I really feel like what makes this movie work is michael bean as kyle without question he and especially watching it you know recently he totally put himself in the place of this guy that was sent back to save the great sarah connor and when he's when he's talking about the future when he's talking about the legend of sarah connor Mm -hmm. to sarah connor you see it in his eyes you see the way his lips quiver he he, really believe that this guy has come to do this mission absolutely we'll hit that later in this review that's a great great point you're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Michael Bean's stiff arrival. Who the hell are these naked people? I, I think this is, again, where James Cameron was pushing the envelope. Look at these naked people running through the streets of L.A. Who the hell are these naked people? And it was. I mean, look at Arnold's ass. Look at Michael Bean's ass. Yeah, and right away they show their future personalities and that being naked to them is really no big deal. It's just part of what they have to do. Had to go through and, to get there, right? Because right. right away both of them start kicking ass with no clothes on. <laughs> right. You know, it doesn't bother them at all, and they really hold, uh, they pay no attention to it. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Subterranean product placement. That's right, folks. Even in the subway tunnel, you have a giant Pepsi logo. So it was happening back then, and it's not something I really noticed until like the 90s, where it was really, really overt, where someone would be talking to somebody and then just instantly turn to their left and 
pick up their arm with a bicep that had the giant logo of Pepsi or Coke on the thing and go, oh, hold on just a second. As they take a drink of the of, of the logo placement drink. And, and Michael Bean's Nikes make two, at, at, at <laughs> yeah. least two um, distinct appearances. Yeah. And as a nine-year-old, I mean, they really failed because all that stuff went right over my head back then. Right, but, right, right. Uh, maybe subliminally, but... Yeah, but who um, the hell didn't want the black Nike shoes with the Velcro white straps and the white soles? I, actually, I wanted them after just watching them recently. If <laughs> yeah, I can find too. a pair on eBay, I think I might go grab <laughs> Absolutely, them. yeah. Actually, I want the props. If anybody has those, let me know. Yeah, I'll take the second pair. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now proverbial yellow pages killer myth this is something that you would read and need to go out to snopes.com to make sure isn't an urban legend now but immediately when they go to the phone book and they start looking thumbing through it and then people start dying it's it it's it is the stuff of legend nowadays when you get an email in your email box you open it up and it's oh the phone book killer is going to get you what letter does your last name start with and i was always kind of safe because unless somebody went backwards which there's too stupid and crazy to do that then i i didn't have anything to worry about yeah i'm right in the middle so whether they started in the beginning or the end they probably would have got bored or arrested before they got to me <laughs> That's a very thorough way to take out, you know, anybody with a, one last name. So, <laughs> and an easy way to find them. Although not so much nowadays. Not so much now, but you don't know which phone book to use. Right, right. Your two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me now. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Linda Hamilton is so great in this movie too. She's sort of the the damsel in the stress and the matriarch at the same time. You actually watch her break out of her eggshell in the middle of this movie yeah you know we were going to mention this later on in the program because obviously she's not naked yet but later on in the movie when she is naked you're gonna laugh but guess what kind of body type my wife has you guessed it that's right the savior of the future sarah connor herself looks just like my wife's body type so even back then it was ingraining itself into mike's life your two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Arnold enters and steals the station wagon. This is one of those things, when I saw this movie, I don't know if it's because I'm counterculture or what, but I wanted to go and find the nearest car and put my arm through the window just because I knew Arnold could, and I thought I could too. I was pretty sure that I could walk over to a car and put my arm through it. You could have put your arm through it. I don't know if you would have pulled it back out, but <laughs> or a piece of it probably. There's a, there's a great piece of the features where they where they talk about that. It was one of those things where uh, again the guerrilla filmmaking popped out, where they didn't want to go and get to care the permits to just film that tiny little scene where he punches the window, gets in, rips out the steering column, and drives away. And so what they did was they drove around, they found a suitable place, they parked the station wagon, they got Arnold off camera, nodded over to James Cameron. He went over to the went over to the station wagon, put his arm through the front, opened the door, stripped out the fake steering column, flipped the ignition, and drove off, thereby negating all of the problems of needing to go and get a staff and right. licenses and all kinds of other crap to make that scene. And I really do think that a lot of what James Cameron pulls off is those those types of scenes where I know he does all kinds of planning and looking around, but to get those scenes that he needs, he just goes and gets them and then they're done. And I think that flavor is something that I really, really like. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. 
a mix of real and not real action. All of the action that happens at the beginning of this film all makes you wonder what Arnold and Reese are. Not so much, you know that they're men. You look at him and go, oh, well, guys, although Arnold, you know, putting his arm through a guy and, you know, ripping out his innards, that was kind of questionable. But then you see another naked guy flying around. You have no idea who they are. And that is the magic of movie making where you can ask the audience questions and they can start picking out little bits of the story as from the pieces that they see on the screen. And again, it's just something that is totally lost in today's moviedom. Everything either has to bash you over the head instantly because they think you're a dumbass. Right. Or it's so abstract director's mind's eye. It's like how high do you have to be to watch this movie and get exactly what is the what is the 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 core issue of the film, and I, I love I that's why I love James Cameron's films because they they give all of that right they give the entire spectrum of you being able to go and pick what you need to try and fill in the picture. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me now. The gun store sequence. Just what you see on the shelf, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Looks like we're closing early today. <laughs> and that character actor is awesome. He's been in so many things. Right. He was in uh, several episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I remember him as uh, one of the guards in a not-so-strangely post-future apocalyptic time. So he's been all over the place. And uh, that that whole sequence, I think it hits so home because nowadays we can open up an internet page or a newspaper and read about somebody that has taken a gun and just gone and shot people to death, regardless of whether or not it's inside a gun store or a mall or a church or a homeless place. It doesn't make any difference. That's just very real and visceral. And seeing that on screen is maybe why you don't see a lot of uh, Terminator, the original Terminator, being shown. Possibly not, especially um, when we were hitting on the 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 soundtrack you're hearing it throughout the video games now there was a part where you're seeing the scene from the terminator's viewpoint the yeah. red video mm-hmm. he's targeting his targets and he's shooting them down and i was like oh my god it's a first person shooter <laughs> literally like eight or nine years before the first first person shooter right. ever appeared yeah and i totally see what you're saying and and it's kind of interesting i mean just to be kind of a social political for a second that you know, this movie was about these Terminators from the future, and now that future has kind of come to be our past and our present, and we really do have these sort of, like, robotic, soulless, emotionless people just going out and randomly mowing people down. Yeah, and that's, that's a great and, comment. And, they've, yeah. and we have Terminators now. Yeah. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Reese's dream, hearkening to the past, which for us is the future. This, again, is just genius-level storytelling, where all throughout the story, where you have the, the general story arc, you have Reese revisiting the past that is our future in either a sleeping dream sequence or as he tells stories to either Sarah or uh, the people in the police department, you you get a vision of what is going to happen and what has already happened in his real eyes, but it's not even in the characters that he's speaking to's mind's eye. And I love that. I love being granted that special knowledge of being a film moviegoer 
right. being bestowed with all the knowledge of this and then knowing all of that while we know that the characters that are listening to it are going, oh yeah, I wonder what kind of room he's going to be locked up in. And like, and like you said earlier about James Cameron not treating you like an idiot when you're watching it, <laughs> that whole um, flashback sequence of the future, there's really not a word spoken as dialogue. The whole thing is just you're, you, you're, it's shown to you and you're allowed to experience instead right. of it being told to you. Right. And, and, and it does help it hit home a little bit more for you. Yeah, the absorption rate on something like that is just so much more powerful than being uh, totally being expositioned to death where the character will turn to the audience and as if you, the audience, are actually the people that he's speaking to. Oh, I can remember a time when blah, 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 blah. It's never that overt, and it's always inside of what is a constant story going on inside of this story. And so it, it, it's always attention-grabbing, and that's missing again from today's films. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Rear screen projection usage in future sequences to make realistic future scenes more visceral. Nowadays, it's nothing to pop in a background that's got a movie where you see these giant robots chasing you and cars blowing up and fire everywhere. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great story. But it was a completely different process and storytelling tool back then. And again, it's just it's mastery of Cameron. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. I'm glad you mentioned that because when I was watching it recently... I did think about, you're talking about the future scene where they're running in front of the big robots and stuff. Right, and, right. And I realized... The skull-crushing scene is another great sample. That's all I realized, screen. knowing that the little bit that I do know about movie making, that there had to be some sort of double-layer... Magic, yeah. Yeah, going on there, but I didn't know that, so that's really a pretty cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now... Laser discs and compact discs mentioned. Yeah. Right, do you remember laser discs? Uh, actually, no, no. I remember them being these mysterious things on uh, on sh- uh, shelves and stores. Yeah. But I never actually watched one. Yeah, and then compact discs. Compact I remember disc- buying my first compact disc player at a Target. And I remember I had a moped, and I, I drove it home on my moped. It was strapped with a bungee cord to the front of my moped. And I remember treating it like gold. And now looking back at myself, all I can envision is... Why in the hell did I strap this gentle piece of electronic equipment to the front forks of my moped and drive it home? <laughs> what an idiot. Well, first of all, I'm sure you had no idea what oh, you were no. actually carrying. No. Uh-huh. And my second question is, uh, where did you find any CDs for it back then? You know, it, it wasn't easy, but they were. Uh, they did come out. They did come out. Yeah, I did. Uh, if What you're mentioning is the radio ad. They actually mentioned mm-hmm. the latest in digital compact disc. <laughs> yeah. 1984, which I think was the year that Sony actually put them out to yeah. the public the first time. Oh, hell, it might e- that might even be more product placement. I'll bet you it was. It, I, it I don't was. remember seeing the word Sony anywhere, but it probably was. The other thing that was mentioned was a Walkman. Uh, oh. the, the, the girlfriend in the, uh, Rick Rosovich inside the apartment that get wasted. She's got the, uh, she's got the Walkman on and jamming out while they're, uh, that thing was a monster while they're too. doing the two step and then while they get killed. Yeah. It yeah. was probably the size of 10 iPods <laughs> yeah. to play one cassette tape. Yeah. Of 10 songs or so, man, that was funny. That was just, uh, it was funny. And I love again, that step back where you can step back and you can see the technology and the styles, but you get what is genius storytelling that I wish other movies, directors, and actors could emulate today so that we get the flavor that is satisfying and not what we get today. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. A real 
and worthy R-rated movie. I go into R-rated movies today. I expect to see several things. If it happens to be in any one of the horror genres, I almost always expect to see some sort of disembowelment or guts or blood or cutting of a body of some kind, the face, whatever, you know, popping an eyeball with a with a with a pool, a pool stick, something like that. What's funny is you have a guy digging in his eye with an exacto knife in this movie. You have a guy, you know, making cheese slices out of his arm to dig in there and play with a whole bunch of stuff that's inside of his arm. But none of it approaches anything of what is the stupidity of today's R films. There's granted, there's lots of swearing in this film, but it's all it's it's for reason that there is swearing in this film to emphasize a point or to hammer a point home rather than, than it just being some sort of adjective that's added in to, to add some spice to a sentence or to give somebody what is uh, supposed to be an emotionally jacked moment during their lines. That's not what this was back then. Again, it was a completely different type of story writing and pulling off the, the dialogue. It, just, it was a completely different level back then. I saw this as a nine-year-old, and, you know, I'm sure these days people are probably taken aback that you would even take your nine-year-old to watch an R-rated movie. Right. But back then, I mean, it, it, it seemed fine. It seemed normal. I mean— Well, if, and you're, you're the, with your parent. Yeah, That's the whole point. If there was a scene of nudity, I had to cover my eyes. My mom would tell me to turn away. But yeah. let me tell you, there was nothing that I heard language-wise in Terminator. I didn't hear every day walking home from school, right. going to the grocery store even. Yeah. I mean— Maybe it's just where I grew up, or I don't know what the difference is, but people weren't nearly as uptight about those issues back right. then. Right. Well, and uh, the good thing about this movie, it's an R-rated film. Language, obviously, you have a sexual moment, but you have tons and tons and tons of gunplay. Fine. Make it R. And it they did, and it was a worthy R. Today's R films, just they, they don't get in. There are so many PG films that could easily without question, be an R, and probably would have been an R had they been back then. Right. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Paul and Lance, what a great team. The two characters we're talking about are, of course, Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen, who, again, has gone on to team up with Cameron in a variety of different projects and left a footprint that is just such a mile long. Lance Henriksen, in his own right, is just way, way beyond the pale of great actor. Paul Winfield, sadly, who died a couple of years ago, has also made a very good and wide footprint throughout Hollywood. Uh, I would encourage all of you to check out the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast website at TerminatorPodcast.com. We have links to both of those actors, including the entire staff, as well as links over to IMDb and a bunch of other great Terminator links. Paul Winfield, in particular, in this, he you had mentioned there being a lot of almost camp in this movie, and he pulls it off perfectly. Both he and Lance in this movie, you, you, were, you had it spot on. They are just at the precipice of being camp, but they're not. They're real police officers. Well, and I think you say that now only after watching movies, another 23 years worth of movies, because <laughs> now everything is like a cliche of the Terminator. I'm not trying to say everything came from the Terminator, right. but like you were saying, Paul Winfield does such a fantastic job of playing the tired, been there, seen that, Los Angeles police detective guy. So convincingly, but he does it without all the cliche (laughs) one-liners. And and, and, 
he's not a puppet being used for the script or for the director. Right. He he is a real character, and right. that's not something that you would ever get from a modern version of a Terminator type movie. Absolutely. Th- this kind right. of this kind of character becomes nothing more than a, a plot twist or, or a plot tool. Yeah. He's not allowed to be his own character. And this movie and the Terminator, James Cameron and his writing and his directing allowed this side character to actually be a real character that helps give you that overall real feel. Absolutely. And, and kind of the point I'm trying to make, and I don't want to totally diss this movie because I did enjoy it on an entertainment level, is I take a modern movie like The Transformers. Right. In a lot of ways, I see a lot of the original Terminator in The Transformers, mm-hmm. but only very watered down and very sort of stupid, Yeah. you know, for no other word for it. Yeah. And that, you know, all the side character, the, the main characters themselves aren't really all that deep. They're no. not deep at all. No, and they're uh-huh. really just a good-looking boy and a good-looking girl put in that position. And all the side characters are nothing more than devices to propel you towards the end of this big CGI battle. Right, right. And the Terminator was still a very organic, a very real, with real people movie with side or with uh, special effects used only to enhance the movie instead right. of tone the movie. Oh, right, instead of instead of the tone being the movie. Right, absolutely. The, uh, the other thing we we talked about just briefly was Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen was actually slated to be the Terminator because the original theory for the Terminator was that he was nobody. Right. He was a guy walking down the street and he would uh, walk around and twist your head off your shoulders and walk away because that was his mission. And that he was and looked like nobody special was one of the original plot devices that would have been very, very cool. And uh, it's funny because the other Terminator movies that have been made kind of play off of that. Right. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. The perceived value of cell phones. (laughs) Holy smokes. The, The remake of this movie today, I almost think they would have to set it back in 1984. One, to just stick with the lore so that you could say that it was 1984 and it would still have some general basis inside of what is the lore of The Terminator. In fact, you know what? They're probably not going to make it until Arnold's dead. I guarantee you. They won't make anything, remake anything like this until then. You know, I would say that it could never be remade, but I heard that they are remaking Escape from New York, so yeah. I, would sell, I say that now I've seen everything. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that Gerard Butler was... Uh, casted to be... Right, and he's bailed. Yeah. He, and, and then they asked they ask Kurt Russell... He said, would you like to be involved with the film? And he said, fuck that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, if I'm, I'm Gerard Butler, I feel like he's a fairly stand-up guy. Still. Yes, and I agree. I, I don't know I how you do that movie without the blessing of Kurt Russell. Well, and I really do have to wonder if that was a, a portion of it because I'm trying to – I can totally understand the idea of Escape from New York being remade. I can totally understand that. Would I want to see it? Probably not. Probably not because – Again, the the almost camp of much of what is that movie, but that dark nature that's provided is just so incredibly classic. I love Escape from New York. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Suddenly, even the public places aren't safe. It's a true nightmare. At the conclusion of the Technoir scene, it's become the headlines that we read today in 2007. Dude walks into a bar and starts opening fire on a crowd. Because that's how that would be read inside of what is today's modern news. Would have nothing to do with what is the behind-the-scenes story for weeks. All that would be seen is that because we have such lax gun laws and because people are crazy and don't take their medication, <laughs> right. we had this, this club shooting. 
Well, I think it's directly related with um, we don't have nearly as many German shepherds around anymore <laughs> signaling these Terminators walking in. Maybe that's it. They've sent a Terminator back to get rid of all the German shepherd dogs that are German, floating around. German shepherds are so cool, and now they're, they're pansy dogs. But. <laughs> pansy dogs. I'm certain we're going to have listeners that chime in on that. In fact, uh, we'd like you to chime in on anything that we talk about during the Terminator podcast. What we'd like you to do is access our website, click on the contact button. They'll allow you to fill out a quick form of what you think, and that'll be sent directly to us. Be sure to access the Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast website at TerminatorPodcast.com. Your Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Perceived comedic timing in a very serious situation. Dude, new movies don't have it. The sample that I always bring when I, when I start talking to people about this movie is where the Terminator waltzes into Technoir one mission, get Sarah Connor, and he waltzes by where he's supposed to pay. And you can hear the out of the right speaker, you hear this lady going, hey, that guy didn't pay. And so you see this, you know, this meat muscle guy right. just start storming towards who is, uh, you know, Arnold's just this huge dude anyway, but he starts storming towards him and he says, Hey man, puts his, sh- his arm on his shoulder and he grabs his hand and you just hear this. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's that perfect mix of what is almost funny, but there's still this giant ominous danger that is heading towards someone that you really do care about already. Sarah Connor. Yeah, and I think what uh, why you say that's comedic is that it appeals to that little part of everybody that does wish a little bit of them was the Terminator, <laughs> so that when that dude is bothering you, that you can turn around and just kind of twist <laughs> his Crumple arm his off. Cr- yeah. <laughs> Not that I want to go into a mall and kill people randomly, but... Right. Your two guys talking Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Real damage. Patrons in the highway of disaster. Mowing down club goers. Again, this is, it's where they, they, the kinetic movement of the camera even makes you a person inside the club that hopefully doesn't get shot. And again, I really do think that speaks to why you don't see this particular Terminator on very often. Because it really is open, public gunplay that I think really does, has gotten a bad rap. Not, not, not needing it, but again, it's a movie, it's an R-rated film. If it's on later, uh, they should let it roll. Again, I got to wonder, though, as movies get stupider and more family friendly, (laughs) we have more of these random killings. But when you're able to have movies like Terminator that showed, hey, when crazy guy or psychotic robot guy goes into a public place and starts shooting, people do die. Right. And maybe that's part of the disconnect that is missing from our society now is that people don't realize that. Other people die than the people that they're just trying to shoot. There's there, there's more. You don't actually see the death anymore. Right. There's so, actual collateral damage. Yet another Arnold Schwarzenegger film. And, and that is not, it's just not seen. It's not, it's not seen, not, oh, not even so much that. It's not accounted for inside of the mind's eye of someone that just hears a story. Right. It's totally ancillary. It's way off in left field someplace. So I almost wonder if less violence in at least movies is desensitizing people more if it's having the counter effect your two guys talking terminator podcast review give it to me now the tink of slugs hitting metal the realization of the impossible the end of technoir scene 
sadly, we're actually compressing a lot of what we were going to talk about just because there's so many great points inside of this. And it'll be on the special DVD feature edition of the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast <laughs> whenever we decide to do that. But the, uh, this is when, the end of the Technoir bar scene, is when all of it suddenly comes to life. It, it, how could a man take shotgun blasts at point-blank rage, stand up, and still be functioning at all? And to wrap your mind around that, you have to you have to know it's a movie for one. But the the lines that they get about the wearing the Kevlar and the guy was on PCP and those are all real stories. Those right. aren't things that are just made up. I love the line that gets totally blurred in this movie over and over and over again. Is it real? Is it something that could happen? No, not really. Well, but wait a minute. What about this? Oh, and what about this little piece? Nah, that's not real. Oh, but wait, maybe it is. I love that. I love the little dance that's played inside of this movie with that. Your two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Come with me if you want to live. This hasn't just become a mantra with this podcast where we insert, Listen to this podcast if you want to live. It is a piece of what is dragged across all three films and in fact the entire Terminator genre. It's all about living it's all about going on and living to fight another day and in fact in the new series that we'll uh, we'll also be reviewing is the uh, sarah connor chronicles it's the same damn thing if you want to live you've got to go with sarah connor and do whatever she says needs to be done so that you can live another day it's a mantra for everybody it's not just those people that are fighting robot terminators it's for everybody you have to grab onto something and move on with that if you want to live right it's like there are people out there telling you the warning signs it's just whether you choose to believe them or not and and what you see in the terminator is that it doesn't really make sense or it's easier not to believe it so people look the other way well they wind up getting mowed down in a police station later on right well that kind of applies to real life too you know there's there's people out there all the time trying to tell us these things are going on these things aren't right and a lot of us just want to turn our head to it's too late and absolutely i think you know and we wind up in some of the jams that we find ourselves in these yeah, days. Yeah, I, that it's often too late. You know, no fate but what we make is another thing that comes across in many, if not absolutely, those words inside the Terminator films. And it is real life. Zowie, we're running way long. Let's go into our first break during the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast. Only from Two Guys Talking. You're listening to the Terminator podcast. Only on the Two Guys Talking podcast network. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows has just been released. And it's time for the two guys talking Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows book report. Join Brian and Amy Sumatros as they give you the two guys talking book report goodness of this most recent soon to be bestseller book only on the two guys talking podcast. Log on today and tell us what you think of the book. Check out www.twoguystalking.com. That's the number two guys talking.com. Thanks for listening and keep those wands at the ready. With all the comic book movies that are coming out left and right these days, more people than ever are being drawn into the world of comic books. But do you really know anything about the original source material? Who is the real Peter Parker? 
Was the Ghost Rider really a jelly bean eating carpenters listening buffoon? Did you know movies like From Hell, Road to Perdition, The History of Violence, Ghost World, and 300 were all graphic novels before they were movies? Will the next Batman movie be able to deliver to an audience that is seeking action but starved for story and substance? The long history and complex genre of comic books and graphic novels is much more than men and types fighting each other. There's a whole world of adventure, drama, mystery, espionage, and philosophy waiting for a mainstream audience to discover them in their original printed form. There's only one place to find out more about the universe of comics and graphic novels. The Comic Knot Podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Join me, Ryan Parker, as I travel around the realm of comics, sequential art, and graphic novels to review, interview, and provide fresh viewpoints from an always changing, interesting landscape of imagination, entertainment, and more. It's the Comic Knot Podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. www.twoguystalking.com That's the number two, guystalking.com. Enough said. You're listening to the Terminator Podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Your Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast Review. Give it to me. Now. Realization onset 37 minutes in. New movies cannot possibly hold their collective wad that long. It's it's instant 10, 15 minutes maybe at the max. And then out goes the wad, out goes the story. Here comes some hero effects that you've already seen 35,000 times on television and ads or a trailer on the internet. And there, there is no sense of suspense. There, there would have been no realization that he's actually a metal machine. The metal machine stuff would have been the first imagery that you'd have seen nowadays if Terminator was ever redone. And that's just, that's too bad. Right. Because that, that, that sense of surprise and shock and ho- real horror would be gone if you knew that the guy was a metal guy to begin with. Again, just genius. Genius story writing. Your two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Digitized screen view arrives. Terminator vision. Ryan alluded to this earlier in the podcast. And again, it's suddenly you realize there's something afoot and it's not just this guy that's on PCP. Right. You realize that there, there really is something going on and then you start to see the characters all around you inside the story starting to realize that something's going on or they're realizing they're, or they're still not realizing what's going on and they die. No, and then it was really just great forethought on whoever designed that special effect. I don't know if that was an original vision of James Cameron in his writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we we saw the same thing 10 years later during Desert Storm when yeah. we were actually watching CNN videos of missiles hitting, you know, doorways over in Iraq. Yeah. And we thought this was pure science fiction that we, you know, would see video of these kills happening. Yeah. And, and now they're everyday common it's life everyday, we see right. on YouTube. Yeah. In and, fact, you know, what's funny is they, the vision that soldiers actually use, it's that green, it's that green vision, night right. vision stuff. And it, 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 if we could see what I'm, and I'm certain that some of that is recorded, if we could see the vision of some of that where they're storming in and busting in and shooting down Al-Qaeda members. I mean, it couldn't possibly look all that different than what we saw in the police station. And um, I was thinking uh Reese's rifle from the future actually has that video 
scope on the top <laughs> yeah. of it, which has become a very real thing now. Common thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, There's just great, great foresight in this movie. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Are you injured? Are you shot? You still use that to this day. Right. It's, it's that... It's that shock of normalcy. It's the, what's the status so I can move on? That is something that today's movies do do. The problem is that the story leading up to that point, you have, who cares? You have no interest at all. You have nothing, there's nothing in your little kitty that you can possibly garner when they ask the status question in, now, in movies nowadays. Back then, it really mattered because you wonder, oh my God, has Sarah been shot? Is he going to have to perform some sort of medical maneuver? Is he going to go to a hospital? What, what is he going to do? Again, he had you on the edge of your seat through the entire film, and that, that is the genius of the storytelling. And it, and also, it was, the, it was the changing point for Sarah Connor where she went from this innocent, almost sort of teenage girl life. Right. She did her first field dressing like, like they state right in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and right then and there, it was almost like her baptism into this new reality of hers. Yeah. The, uh, the laying out of the story about how he's a machine with uh, living human skin over a metal endoskeleton, all of that. Uh, I love that. I could just sit and re- listen to that entire little spiel there from the genius of Michael Bean as Kyle Reese in this film. And I love it. I love that whole mantra through that whole thing because he puts me into the position of being listened to. Again, it goes back to that exposition thing we were talking about before, where usually in movies it's boring as hell. Right. It's usually the, okay, now we're going to lay it all out for you. Well, Kyle's doing that as he's driving down the road with no lights on a highway, doing hairpin turns inside of a parking lot. And that's why it gets you, and that's why this pays off, just no doubt. Right, and he, he gets several monologues like that through the movie. A couple of them are slower paced, and I'm pretty sure every one of them is without a cut. He learned his lines and sold it and sold it. He, like we he said emoted earlier. every single, he, he was Kyle Reese in this movie, right? He's done other roles later on that are very, very hallmark. I'm in the military. I am a soldier, blah, blah, blah. Then they've, they've all been mostly good. This one though, there just, there is nothing else that Michael Bean has done that matches up to this. No, just, it doesn't happen. You're two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Get your head down! You know, how cool would it be to be able to do this today and toss the girl's head into your lap? It didn't work back then either. Even all the girls that like watching the Terminator films weren't ready to have their head thrown into their lap. So, uh, it just, uh, that, that again, that entire scene is just magical for me. You, I really don't even think they planned it that way. I think it was just <laughs> the way it went down. Uh, I know Michael Bean planned it. Well, maybe. <laughs> and it's funny. That, again, go back to that entire scene where they're talking about, are you saying it's from the future? Uh, again, it takes you into the entire story, except now you've snapped back to what is Sarah's viewpoint, asking Reese a question. And it digs your heels and you want to know the answer. What is the, give me the answer, Kyle. What? Tell me. And you don't get that from today's storytelling. You just, you don't get it. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Praying on the nuclear threat. All this whole place, it's gone. I remember vividly writing a paper, uh, probably, it was a year later or so after this film came out, 
but it was, it was about Star Wars technology and Ronald Reagan coming into presidency, etc. I remember writing an article in Creative Writing about it, and that was the vision. That was the vision of why we need Star Wars, because you don't want to have happen what you see, quote, in the first 10 minutes of the Terminator movie. And so <laughs> even my teachers were preying on what was a modern day back then lexicon of what you see and what could happen and tell me what you think. So even back then, you still had this driving what is visions of what is going to be the future. Terminator, like you said, totally preys on the, that terror of a nuclear holocaust, which would be, you know, the end of everything. And as time went on, I right. don't think... And also, just to break in, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, the reason why there's, there's nuclear holocaust isn't because the robots rain down on us. The robots take over what is our nuclear arsenal, launches it at the sites in Russia, Russia fires theirs back, and hence nuclear holocaust. Right. Go ahead, Ryan. And so it's easy to, to get caught up on that one image of the, of the wasteland afterwards, but the real horror of the movie is something that has still happened anyhow in that our entire world has become networked. We're all part of this giant grid through our cell phones, through our internet connection. Right. Right. We are <laughs> even in, in even the, the thing you're frame. listening yeah even the th- listening through this podcast you are interacting with the network that may one day take over the nuclear arsenal of the US and launch it towards its enemies in Russia. So three prophetic movies later we are still <laughs> on the same path and we're shown all the time that these systems are fragile. Yeah. They're very fragile. Yeah. So, you know, it's still something to take under consideration. Yeah. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Hooked into everything besides our feet in a microsecond. Extermination. Taught us how to smash those metal motherfuckers in the junk. It just... This movie... This movie is required watching for what is going to be the Saracana Chronicles. No, no two ways about it. Fox is going to try and make it so that you can watch the Saracana Chronicles without this film or perhaps the second one. Right. I'm sorry, folks. If you do not watch this movie and probably the second film, you will be missing out on some of the best lexicon and setup for what I think is going to be a reasonably satisfying series. But w- without question, this would be not watching these two movies before watching the Saracana Chronicles coming out on Fox would be like. Yeah, I mean, if you're familiar with the Star Wars movies at all. All the new prequels lead up to episode three. Right. Episode three means nothing if you didn't watch the original trilogy of Star Wars movies. It, it's, basically, it brings us all up to the point where the original trilogy can happen. Right, right. I and, mean, they're absolutely, that's perfect, Ryan. They're absolute stepping stones to understanding what you're going to see inside the new series, but also being able to enjoy such a rich piece of storytelling, both in Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. As much as I loved Terminator 2 when I first saw it, and it's the huge commercial success, yeah, I think that that movie is actually, when you're telling the story, you could actually cut a lot more of that out. As long as you have the original, the Terminator, yeah. leading into uh, a TV yeah. series like this, like you said, I think that's the one you really have to watch, especially considering that it's called the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I think you have to know how it started. Yeah, yeah good point. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Praying on the horror of extinction. Barcoded numbers. It's strange that we're doing this interview a couple of days after I happen to watch what is... Usually around this time of year, I'll get in a viewing in my theater of Schindler's List. 
Again, for those of you that haven't seen Schindler's List, it's something I totally recommend. It's not because I'm pro-Jewish. It's not because I hate Nazis, which I do. Because you're human. That's right. And that's what is missing out of what people perceive of watching Schindler's List. It's it's not a right hit it right on the head. It's being human and understanding the nature of what is perceived extinction in someone else's eyes. The Terminators make decisions, again, as Kyle Reese says, in a microsecond. There's a whole lot more to extinction than anything that happens in a microsecond. There's never been a quote that's more important than one that's uttered inside of, sadly, the last ending of Schindler's List. Whoever saves one life saves the world in time. And when you take that theme across what is a science fiction, very well story told, laid out science fiction robot shoot 'em up action car chase film, it suddenly makes a lot of sense. And it's those little icons that can carry from each movie to each movie to each movie, not only in this series, but other movies that you really care anything about. And that quote comes out every time. Whoever saves one life saves the world in time. Because really it leads with uh, John Connor, who is the son of Sarah Connor, who is actually the character that we're only told about in the original The Terminator. He's the guy who actually rises against the machines. Um, because he was trained by his mother, Sarah, he actually becomes this sort of sci-fi uh, Masonic figure. Yeah. And, and, and Sarah is kind of like the Virgin Mary, and with Michael Bean winds up being the father, even though he's later sent <laughs> into the past by John Connor. It's funny you mentioned that. I never father. thought of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's sort of almost like the virginal birth type thing because the father's not there at the time, and, yeah. and he yeah. winds up being this guy that leads this revolution against this. You know, the Terminator probably just got some roofies and uh, knocked up Sarah before all this and then decided to kill her, something like that. Oh, let's not get into the time travel predestination <laughs> paradoxes because this has been bothering me for 23 years. Yeah, yeah. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Drive! Automotive delegation. This was... It was nothing any of my friends ever did, but it's one of those things you always wanted to do where, you know, there's some sort of peril as you're driving home from school and you got to go get the gun that's in the back seat and you tell your best friend that's got shotgun, drive, I've got to go get the shotgun and I got to do something else. So let's switch seats while the car's moving in full motion. Well, actually, there's more reasons for that to happen after school than what you think. And <laughs> I've been part of a couple of them, but... <laughs> oh, nice. They weren't nearly as dramatic as the Terminator. No, I'll bet. I'll bet. Just the, the, uh, the raw emotion that all of the things in this movie evoke are just awesome. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Blubbering heap of puss into Uber Warrior Mother of the World Savior in less than an hour and a half. Again, it's the total package. I am a blubbering goo waitress that, you know can't even serve food right and now somehow i'm going to gain the skills to teach my son to be the savior of what is modern earth love it love it again i think it just hits on a very real aspect that most of us as adults always have that defining moment where we go from being the kid that doesn't have any responsibilities and is not really worried about the future there comes a point for most of us that something happens that we realize we are an adult now we have responsibilities and there's things that we have to do you know we want to live for today but we do have to prepare for the future and that's exactly what happens to sarah connor in this movie you're two guys talking terminate a podcast review give it to me now enter dr silberman 
Dr. Silberman is the only person that makes it through all three films. And you hate him through all three of them. <laughs> and I realized, re-watching The Terminator, why? Because those cell phones aren't don't appear in this movie at all, I don't believe. He is one of the first bastards for the beeper to go off yeah. at the inappropriate time. <laughs> yeah. And that's still happening. Turn your phones off when yeah. you go to the movie, yeah. people. You are two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Exacto scene number one. True respect for the exacto knife. I remember specifically 1990. It was probably six months before Terminator 2 came out. I was in my, uh, wasn't in a dorm, I was in my apartment in college, and I remember I was on my drawing board using an X-Acto knife with a ruler. I was cutting some cardstock, and of course, you know, of course I'm paying perfect attention. <laughs> and suddenly I wasn't paying perfect attention, and I still have the scar today where it's probably, oh, I don't know, probably a good quarter-inch gouge out of where I cut the, the end corner tip of my finger off. <laughs> wasn't wasn't like just even hanging on i cut the thing off and there was so much blood <laughs> but the the danger of exacto knives was shown to me years previous and i didn't respect the exacto knife again the terminator tried to tell us and we didn't listen <laughs> you're two guys talking terminator podcast review give it to me now the Reese interrogation. This is the modern day criminal drama interrogation scene. One basically spotlight, two guys with cigarettes, lots of close in, you're going to speak to me whether you want to speak to me or notness. It is the progenitor for so many things that happened in modern day television and film. You're two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me now. Exacto scene number two. Hey, I'll bet you can't jerk your eye out of its socket after cutting it open with an X-Acto knife. Well, I wouldn't be standing afterwards. Oh, the horror of that scene. I, I, I'm going to have to ask Carl Bezzese, the guy who's going to do uh, the Terminator 2 review with us, what his thoughts are when he first saw that. And I know what he's going to say. He's going to say something effective. Oh, dude, that's so cool. Because he was total blood and guts and special effects guy when he uh, went to film school. And so he would have just loved all that stuff. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. The legend of gargoyle sunglasses. Ryan, the week after I left my parents' house in 1988 after graduating high school, guess what I bought? Toilet paper. <laughs> Thank you. No. Strangely enough, although I did eventually buy toilet paper, I bought a green, dark green trench coat and a pair of gargoyle charcoal sunglasses. Did you go into the techno noir and uh, start shooting people? <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I look back on that now and I'm like, that, and yeah, that was four years later. But still, the legend of gargoyle sunglasses, which are incredibly expensive. Back then they were ridiculously expensive. Wasn't something I should have been spending my money on. And I just, I look back and it was such a poor purchase, 
but it's one that stays with me today. Is that a brand you can even buy now? I don't know that you can buy gargoyles or not. What? Uh, let's. I'd like to hear from the viewers on that. Can you actually buy not only gargoyle sunglasses, which I think you can, but the signature gargoyle sunglasses that Arnold wore in Terminator? Let us know by going to our website, TerminatorPodcast.com, and clicking on the contact button where you can contact either Ryan or I or anybody at the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. I can't believe how fast the time is running by. Let's jump into our second break during the Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast. You're listening to the Terminator Podcast only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Archway Import Auto Parts Incorporated has been around since 1992 and is one of the largest Midwest suppliers of aftermarket parts for air and water-cooled Volkswagens, including stock, restoration, dune buggy, and kit car aftermarket parts. In addition, they also have an extensive inventory of used air-cooled parts, a complete in-house machine shop, and service repair and restoration services. The best part about doing business with Archway Import Auto Parts is that all of their employees own, drive, repair, and enjoy their own Volkswagen automobiles. With a combined 73 years of Volkswagen commitment, their sales and machine shop is extremely knowledgeable about just about everything VW. They pride themselves on being able to help the customers with any problems and questions. Archway Import Auto Parts has and will always put the customer first. Their goal is for all of their customers to enjoy their Volkswagens just like they do. So whether you need a part or simply have a question about a specific part or installation problem, please give them a call. Contact Archway Import Auto Parts Incorporated by dialing 314-638-7700 or you can also visit their website online at archwayauto.com. That's Archway Import Auto Parts Incorporated, supplier of aftermarket parts for stock and performance Volkswagen automobiles. Are you tired of paying outrageous prices for proprietary office software? Is half of the budget for your new PC dedicated to buying expensive applications? Or do you simply live in fear that a multinational corporation might sue you for the thousands of dollars of unauthorized software you have on your PC? Well, fear not! Freedom Sampler is here! With Freedom Sampler, you can experience guilt-free computing for the first time without opening your wallet. Freedom Sampler provides a full office suite, a full-featured photo editor, web browsing and email, and much more, all without any cost, and all without replacing your current operating system. Visit freedomsampler.com to download your free copy today. Freedom Sampler. Taste the freedom. Greetings from behind the walls of the Castle of Common Sense. When I'm not driving righteous indignation down the throats of other common peasants, I listen to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. You're listening to the Terminator Podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Your Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast Review. Give it to me. Now. The beauty of having a story that requires not one shred of proof. A picture-perfect hallmark moment inside of genius films. George W. Bush did this a few years ago, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. uh, again, in any classic movie, there's always, always, always an icon of having a story that doesn't require any shred of proof. But he still 
tells the story, even though he's got to realize he's, and he's out, lucid. He's out of time. He's yeah. out of place. He's yeah. emotional. He he, he doesn't lie. Day. He doesn't hold back. He still tells a story because he's a soldier on a mission, yeah. and, he, and he never backs off of that. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. A jailbreak. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. Another true nightmare, not for just the perceived victim, but law enforcement personnel. There are many modern-day horrors that have befallen, sadly, uh, law enforcement forces all over the world. Uh, this is one. This is the nightmare scenario of, of a police officer that's in his own house, basically, and just being mowed down by a dude that's got assault weapons, even though they're plugging you know, bullets and all kinds of shit into him. And he just continues on and on. And absolutely will not stop until you are dead. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Where else can you see a brown gremlin? You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Tell me about my son. This again is where after the line is read... Everybody in the audience suddenly tilts forward into the in their seats in the theater and waits for what comes. And that is, again, what is missing out of so much modern-day storytelling. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. A chance to meet the legend. Another entire reason for the upcoming series. You, the audience, also get to meet the legend even more than when you saw her when she was the neophyte to becoming the progenerator mother of the savior of the modern world. And then in Terminator 2 where she is, the hardened battle-ready instructor that is going to teach her son how to save the Earth. Well, you now get to see some of that inside of what is the new series from Fox, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And I just, I can't wait for that series. I'm really looking forward to it. And what I really like is the feedback that we've gotten from the existing Terminator fan base is huge. Uh, most of you know that we got a lot of input from what is the 24 fan base, which is an outstanding fan base. Sadly, the writers have driven us into what is uh, an un-24'd season, and so something's got to take the place. I can't believe how big and prolific the Terminator, not the Saracana Chronicles necessarily, but the Terminator fan base is. It's huge. I think it's because it falls into, you know, not only sci-fi, but into great storytelling, but it's a, it's also a new series on television and all kinds of hype that's in there as well. I think that really pays off. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. A message to remember. The future is not set. Which translates to, we have no faith but what we make. This goes back to some of Ryan's dialogue previously where... There are signs everywhere, whether they're spoken, whether they're literal signs, whether there's something you notice or something you experience in your life. The signs are out there. It's just a matter of what you do with the knowledge of those signs. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. The description of the infiltrator seen by Reese. Again, you hit it right on the head when we started talking about Kyle Reese and Michael Bean's interpretation of... What is Kyle Reese, the future warrior, sent back? 
that scene, it's more, it's more than just a dialogue scene. It's not just general exposition because the story needs exposition. It is a piece of life that he is bestowing to Sarah to help avoid it. And it's just, it's, it's wonderfully done. Yeah. You really are seeing a real memory of Kyle Reese's in that part. And, and there really is no dialogue. There's one part when somebody screams Terminator or infiltrator or something like you yeah. said, but, but that's it. There's no a conversation between anybody. Right. There. right. Oh, in fact, it's funny. You mentioned the sound even fades out yeah. so that there's just kind of that, uh, again, to speak to the soundtrack, there's a little bit of soundtrack in there, but even as the, the Terminator's infiltrating and mowing people down, you see him turn and they got the stark red eyes and you see his giant hand uh, push down on the switch and just, but you don't really hear the rifle because of what's all going around. It's that, it's that battle time. Yeah, Very that, well said. And that is an awesome, awesome vision of yeah. the, the, the shadowed Terminator. I mean, all you can see is his red eyes and he's holding the rifle. Just awesome. Yeah. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Barking Dogs, the harbinger of future death. You know, we talked a little bit and joked even about how dogs are going to be used to, to sense Terminators. I have a feeling that we're not going to see one that's attached to what is the team that's trying to escape from whatever threat there is inside the new Fox series, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. But it would be cool. And it would add a pet slash dog into what is a new series. So maybe we will see something like that. You know, that's really a great point. I didn't think of that until you mentioned it, that animals used to be big characters Huge. in TV shows. And you Huge. don't see that anymore. Right, right. Ever since they wrote that monkey out of Friends, that's, that's, that was it. <laughs> You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Do you have a room with a kitchen? I don't know if you've ever gone into a hotel and you needed a kitchen inside of a hotel. It's a little bit different nowadays, especially if you go into what is like an extended stay place. Right. Well, they actually have kitchens and, you know, like what is basically a living room and then a bedroom and a kitchenette. and uh, That's pretty common. Back then, though... I don't think so. It would have been very, very strange to walk into a place and go, hey, have you got a kitchen, by the way? One thing about that scene that uh, in several scenes in the movie is I had really forgotten how much wood panel was a predominant <laughs> wood decoration. And, you, <laughs> and yes, here in your studio, you have like a, a halfway wood panel thing. But uh, it's called that, wainscoting. But in that movie, the panel was on the walls, on the floors, on, on the, the furniture, ceiling. on the ceiling. It, yes, it was, <laughs> it everywhere. was everywhere. It was in the police station. Yeah, it, I, <laughs> it was in the police station. You're absolutely right. There was a right. ton of wood paneling going on in that movie. <laughs> You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. What do you got in there, dead cat buddy? Again, this this tickles your funny bone inside of this horrific scene where there's this unanimated, rotting corpse on top of an endoskeleton that is searching through the stuff that he's found inside of Sarah Connor's house to try and find the next lead. And they dip in this little humor pit to just throw a little at the audience to shake it in their face. And I love it. It's perfect. Again, on the lighter side of having a little bit of the Terminator in all of us, <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I'm sitting in my cube at work and my boss comes up and says something sarcastic about my work ethics. And that list of possible responses <laughs> drops in front of my eyes. <laughs> I'd never get to the one Arnold uses yet, but <laughs> it's on there. <laughs> I usually go a little closer to the top. Yeah, yeah. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Oh, I'm dying for a shower. 
Me too. Yeah. Calgon, <laughs> take me away. Oh, man. Just to, once again to affirm in case everybody hasn't figured it out. Linda Hamilton. Oh. And, and that's where that's where they couldn't escape the campiness just a little bit. Right? Oh. See. Man. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. I came across time for you, Sarah. The final realization that the Terminator is actually a love story. This is something else that is all across what everybody thinks is, you know, the super hardcore action films that James Cameron makes. You have to remember there is always at least an underlying theme of love somewhere in every single one of his movies, no matter what it is. Whether it's Terminator or Aliens or Titanic or some of the other gigantic blockbusters that emphasize some of the best action and drama, you have to remember that they're all built on the kernel of a love story. I totally agree. And here's a question I'd like to pose out to the listeners. In your opinion, does Kyle Reese, the character, know that he is going back to become John Connor's father? Or is that something that totally escapes his realization? It's never implied in the movie at all that he realizes that, but... Every time I watch it, I have to think of that more and more because he knows the whole legend. He has to be able to put up the math of how old John Connor is and when he was conceived. Do you as a listener believe or not believe that he had that realization that he was going back to be John Connor's father? Yeah, yeah. Send us your thoughts on that by going to the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast website at TerminatorPodcast.com. Click on the contact button, fill out the quick web form, and let us know what you think. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Memorable, groundbreaking chases. You know, all through the 70s, there were all kinds of car chases, whether it be in television like Starsky and Hutch or Adam-12. All of those, they had really cool car chases. This took car chases up another notch. And again, it's one of those things where I really think we have to grant the progeneration of what is modern-day car chasing and things that happen inside of a car chase to what is James Cameron. And what I love about the Terminator, and I'm sure this actually had more to do with budget than um, being realistic, is they drive, like you said, Gremlins, Pintos, just really obscure sedans. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't even, you know, name the models of them by looking at them. Yeah. Station wagon. Yeah. And and they're they like you said, they're car chases with real cars, and I think that makes it even more exciting because you can kind of envision yourself in that scene instead of it being like a Ferrari or Porsche that they seem to always be able to pull out in these new movies. Right, and destroy, by the way. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the the loss of any of these cars just really wasn't that big a deal at all. That tiny little pickup that they're in, (laughs) and especially in T2. I just love that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Three. Two, one. Semi! Get out. Another comical, look, we just mowed down this dude with a semi laughing moment. And it, it, I, I, I have to wonder if he uses those things to take a little bit of the edge off of what is this gruesome event that we're witnessing. We're seeing this truck plow down this dude, basically. Yeah, and, and it's just awesome how Arnold stays totally in character of not having any character. Right. He's just so emotional. Let's just get out. He never, you know, he never gets, he never actually becomes evil. He is just this relentless machine. Right, right. And uh, there's there's so much to that. A lot of people think that, well, you know, what else is he going to do? He can't act. 
I, I have to totally disagree with that. He has way more character than that, actually. Absolutely. Way more personality as, as a person. And, yeah. and he really did have to hold back to be the Terminator. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. And then a blue gremlin. That's right. Not only one gremlin, but two gremlins. A brown one and then a blue one here where they're uh, they're pulling out. I mean, I have to wonder if they just painted the same car. I was just thinking the same thing. To save some budget. We, what, what I have to do, and this is a good time to spill this, I actually called the law offices that represent James Cameron because I would love for him in any of these films, much less this first one. Sadly, we just didn't get anything back from them. Even a great no thanks would be terrific. But we contacted the law offices and left a message along with the little advertisement of this podcast series that you can get at our website. Remember, you can get that at TerminatorPodcast.com. Go to the Terminator Podcast homepage. You'll see uh, the bios for me and Ryan and Carl and a host of other people, uh, along with links to a bunch of really great Terminator stuff. And we've got a link to what is that first advertisement for what is the Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast. We're in the home stretch of what is a marathon Terminator Podcast review. Let's head into our final break here at the Terminator Podcast, only from Two Guys Talking. You're listening to the Terminator Podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. It's been a long road, but finally, something we envisioned when we started our little podcast network effort has become a reality. It's the Two Guys Talking Musicians Corner, featuring artists from all over, providing you with yet another great flavor in the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, featuring an ever-increasing range of musical options for you to enjoy, from the plucky sounds of the ukulele to the hardcore thumps of some of today's not-yet-found hip-hop superstars, there is one place for you to find great music free on the internet right now. The Two Guys Talking Musicians Corner. It's the one place to find great music only from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Log on today to twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. And download to your heart's content, free. Just look for the Rosewood Corner and the Treble Clef and you're there. The Two Guys Talking Musicians Corner, only from the Two Guys Talking podcast network the shield continues to be one of the best crafted television programs in entertainment history and now you can listen to the review of season six of the shield starring michael chiklis as detailed by me mike wilkerson from the two guys talking podcast Join me as I use the revolutionary software called Overcast from Overcast Media that allows me to create an entertaining, fun, detail-oriented review of a solid, hard-hitting show that never stops entertaining. If you're a fan of the Two Guys Talking 24 show, then you'll need to make sure that you head over to the twoguystalking.com website and click on the Shield Overcast icon to listen to samples of all of these great shows. You too can even use the Overcast software to create your own custom feature commentary tracks for your favorite movies and television shows on DVD or from digital downloads. It's unlike anything that's ever been made available before, and you can enjoy it right now as yet another extension of the ever-widening reach of the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Log on now at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. And join in on the Overcast experience. Overcast Media, 
The audience is participating. Travel. It's what everyone wants more of in their life. But wow, where do you start? So many options, so many destinations, and finding the time in one's own schedule. You might think that all is lost, but there's hope on the horizon. Tune into the Travel Planners Podcast with us, Sue and Kevin McCarthy, to learn about how best to travel, what cities to visit, and catch a glimpse of the variety of ways to make the most of your travel dollars. From shopping for bargains in London's Portobello Antique Market. Watching monkeys groom each other as you sit on the balcony of your hotel in May. Malaysia. Sipping rum cocktails while enjoying the sunset over Bloody Bay in Jamaica. Staying up all night to observe St. Petersburg, Russia's White Nights Festival. Hiking the Great Wall of China. Enjoying the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. Or enjoying an unbelievably first-class journey on the cruise on rails, the Grand Lux Express. It's all available now on the Travel Planner Podcast with Kevin and Sue McCarthy on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, www.twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Did you get my underwear and stuff packed in the last bag? I thought you did. No, I didn't. Okay, uh, be sure to check us out, the Travel Planners Podcast on twoguystalking.com. Mike from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network here. We've been nominated as both Best Entertainment Podcast and for Best Podcast in recent weeks. And we simply wouldn't be where we are without you, the listeners. We've received great feedback that all has the same tone throughout. The Two Guys Talking Podcast is a great place for all-around entertainment reviews, no matter what the topic. Whether it's our episode-by-episode reviews of the hit Fox show 24 each season, the interviews with the people that make the show happen, our entertaining movie reviews, both of feature films and DVDs, or the tremendous efforts like our recent Harry Potter book report, the Two Guys Talking Podcast truly is a one-stop shop for all things entertainment. Log on to twoguystalking.com today. That's the number two, guystalking.com, and see what we've got ready for you to listen to. It's all only available from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. You're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Your Two Guys Talking Terminator Podcast Review. Give it to me now. The mother of the He's Not Dead Yet movie gags. I know that there were other films prior to this one, so we're not going to give James Cameron the, oh, wait, he's not deadness. What we will give him is that, oh, wait, he's not dead yet because his skin's been burned off inside of a fiery crash, and here he still comes. That we will give him. And it, again, it was sheer genius storytelling. You cannot possibly look at that scene and go, boy, this is a stupid movie. There's, just, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, and when the, the actual um, metal endoskeleton of the Terminator stands up out of the fire the with the animatronics time. and stuff man just awesome oh, it is so cool and that's a, that's an image that has never gotten dated I think that and, and again to go back to the and, storytelling and of, that was the regenerating image of yeah. what James Cameron had but that was the scene that was the the vision that he had for what is Terminator and I went to Universal Studios Florida and they have that original yeah. skull yeah yeah I was there too in a in a like a glass case. Yeah, and I have a picture of it still, and it it just was an awesome, awesome thing to see right up that close for one, you know, for the first time. See it right there, yeah, yeah. Makes me think of a pizza place, with a dude making skulls out of pizza dough. Yeah. Yeah. 
got two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Kyle's death is the christening of Sarah Connor. Death spurns on new chance at life. We see this across so many other movies as well that are really, really well put together movies. But this again, you add this to, you know, as a whipped cream on top of a delicious hot fudge sundae and it's just ripe for the eating, I'm telling you. Yeah, and it's not even a pretty death or, or overly dramatic death. I mean, he just rams that bomb in there and goes for that dive and he just gets killed. Right. You know, I mean, and but he had to do it, you know. Right. It, was his, it was his last part of his mission. You're two guys talking, terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Prologue genius. Sarah telling John, which means telling us what's going to happen. Prologues nowadays are so often just accidental, not really worth anything because you have to see if the movie's going to make enough money to make a sequel. That doesn't exist with this prologue at all. No. He, he provided a great sense of what is foreboding, Knowing already, even if there wasn't a sequel, that there is a storm coming and that Sarah has to weather it. And I, I love that. I love the the iconography with the actual her driving off into the distance when the clouds are rolling storm, in. Yeah. Just awesome, awesome storytelling. Yeah, and I can't believe that James Cameron really believed that there would be another Terminator movie. I, he, I agree. He, he, I agree he totally. He maybe had it in the back of his head. Yeah. But... I, I again, like I've argued on other podcasts about Star Wars, when the Terminator ends, as when Star Wars ends, that story's done. Yeah, that it's complete. There's there's really no open end to it, other than you know that there's like a future, but right, we, well, you you know that it's a time a period of time that is going on where stories happen. Right, but, but the the essential storytelling is completed. You're yeah, absolutely right. Actors yeah, yeah. weren't signed on for three movie contracts <laughs> and stuff like that. You're two guys talking. Terminator podcast review. Give it to me. Now. A person could go crazy thinking about time travel inconsistencies. This is where we open the box, especially to our listener base, about time travel inconsistencies. And I think we'll have Ryan open up this point. Predestination paradox. Time travel in movies has driven me crazy since as far as I can remember watching them. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes because I think they just blatantly disregard facts. And mm-hmm. then sometimes because... Really, you don't know what can happen, what can happen, you know, if it was possible to time travel. And for a long time, I I had problems with the consistency of time traveling in the Terminator movies, especially right. when you get to the second one, which I know we're not going to hit on. Right. Not so much in the first one. But watching it recently, I do have to say that early in the in the movie, Kyle Reese says that he said, I can't remember the exact quote, but he says something at least or at least one of the future in saying that. One possible future. One possible future. So he leaves it open that there's points when timelines could go in different directions. And you have a post-apocalyptic version and you have one where Sarah Connor's dead and all the humans wind up dying. Mm -hmm. So I got to give James Cameron credit. He actually covered himself early on. Right. However, my argument on all these time travel things is the whole thing is you know that they're going to succeed because if they don't succeed, Kyle Reese never comes back in the first place. Right. I don't, you know, I don't believe you can really change things. I think you can become part of that timeline, which you already have done, but I don't believe you actually change things. I don't believe in the back to the future type time travel. Right, right. And it's also a great thing that they didn't stop where, you know, where they got the pieces to get the nitroglycerin, that they also didn't get a box of condoms. Right. You're two guys talking. Terminate a podcast review. Give it to me. Now. Now. 
Vive la Tormenta! There's a storm coming. And more reviews! Remember, not only have we gone into what is one of our longest and most detailed podcasts for what is a great feature film, one of easily one of the biggest and most memorable blockbusters of the 80s, The Terminator, we're also going to be rolling through in separate reviews, Terminator 2 and Terminator 3, all in separate upcoming reviews that are not to be missed. You're two guys talking, Terminator podcast review. Give it to me, now. The theme song begins with a thunderclap and appropriately fades to black. Again, genius storytelling that has not been matched very much, especially as of late. All of the blockbusters this last summer, none of them, even with a, even with a stretch of watching them on DVD where I think I get more satisfaction out of them in general, none of them, all of them pale in comparison to what is a movie that has lesser special effects, not nearly as many special effects, so, and show me a movie this year that provided you with the same great storytelling as this movie. Forget the effects, forget the general idea, show me a movie, and this is a, this is a great challenge to the audience, show us a movie this last year that had the storytelling, the pacing, the detail, and the creative initiative that this film had, and you just, you can't show it to me, I, I just don't believe it. I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, movies are just made... They're not made with actors anymore. The, yeah, the actors are just basically part of the scenery now. Um, yeah. Sometimes they can even get a, in the way of the story. And, you know, at the time that Terminator was made, you still had to rely on your actors. And you figured out how to get special effects to work, and you figured out how to afford them later. Mm -hmm. um, now it's... And, and great things have been done with CGI. Yes. Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disgruntle any of the CGI in that movie. Right. But I've looked at other movies since then where it's like, okay, am I just watching an animated cartoon? <laughs> Did know? they run out of money? You know, that really disappoints me, especially modern day blockbusters. It's like, did you just not want to go to ILM? Right. Did you want to just save money and so you decided to hit a third party effects company or doing a favor? Or? I don't understand that at all. And some of my favorite physical special effects all come from James Cameron movies. Yeah. I think of the scene in Aliens when the, the mother alien comes face to face with Ridley and yeah. kind of does a... I mean, that's not CGI. And that's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a sci-fi movie. Uh, Ryan, I know you had some trouble finding the actual movie, The Terminator, to watch. But I have here in my hand... <laughs> the... Uh, Schwarzenegger, The Terminator, the original Terminator film that was, uh, this edition was just released by MGM DVD. And on the front, I'll put a, I'll put a picture of this uh, with Ryan, actually, on the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast website. And it is a, it's a hologram. So that when you have it one way, you see Arnold with the glasses. It looks like it was taken from that one of the pictures in the police station. Right. And then when you move it a little bit, it doesn't have what is the actual picture of you know the the T eight the T eight hundred head. It's got an almost comic book uh, holograph. And here, let me hand that to you. An almost comic book holograph picture of that metal skull that I also have to get a picture of. Right. And it, it's just, it's awesome. You will now never have to wonder where or when you're going to get another copy of the Terminator DVD because you will have one. Thanks very much. And you bet. I got to say this is the first time any man's ever given me a, a Terminator DVD. So. <laughs> it's well, a very special moment. Enjoy that because uh, 
the reason, and this is kind of a fatherly moment because I can remember when my dad brought home the VHS tape of the Terminator. It was that special. That movie was that special to me, not only in the theater, but every time I watched it on VHS and when I could watch it on my own anytime that I wanted. And I did. I watched that movie a lot because it meant that much to me. Well, thanks very much. I you really bet. do appreciate it. You bet, buddy. And so we come to the end of what is the first of a series of fantastic cinema podcasts reviewing the Terminator franchise. Thanks for listening to the review of The Terminator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger from 1984. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Ryan Parker, your co-host. Thanks for listening to the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast. Looking for more information or want to contact any of the hosts about them? Access our website at TerminatorPodcast.com. You can also access information via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network site at TwoGuysTalking.com. That's the number two guys talking.com thanks for listening and remember listen to this podcast if you want to live <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>